to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. That's just before Song of Solomon and just after Proverbs. So if you read Proverbs regularly, it's the book after that. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Still hear pages turning. Verse 13 says, This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city, and few men within it. And there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him to rule among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word that we have the pure words of God. That we don't need to have any doubt in what it says, but that we could trust um, that it's from you. And that while there may be many theologians around the world um, that will question the veracity of your word. That we know that's what Satan's tactic was. Yea, have God said, um, and again Eve, to question your word. And we're just so thankful for your inspired and preserved word. Um, it's the message for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in Ecclesiastes, uh, um, a little message is just kind of speaking about um, this wisdom that Solomon, being the writer of Ecclesiastes, um, recognizes um, this wisdom. And he talks about how he sees so much vanity in life. That you know what? The, the sun rises, the sun goes down. And you know what? People struggle for life. Um, things seem vain. A, a, a man that's wealthy, rich, that you know he'll work to build that. And then in a moment, it could be all gone. Or um, his children could take over for him. And then it's just gone. And so he talks much about how there's a lot of things that are in vain. A lot of things that are vanity. And then he comes also and talks about there is wisdom. And he speaks about this little city and that there are few men within it. You can maybe, I think, say Napavine be a little city. Very few men in it. You know, there's a lot of different small um, towns around the world. And there came a great king against this city. And besieged it, built great bulwarks against it. So this king came against this city. That no doubt the king had great empire, had much wealth. 
And then there's just this little, puny, small, tiny city. And they go to conquer it. They, 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 they surround it. They, they, they build bulwarks. They build a defense to protect themselves from the city. It's kind of comical. You know, there's just this, this little city. And yet they're building this great defense to be ready for this little city. And, um, and then they attack it. They attacked this city. And yet there was found this poor man. This poor man in this city. A man that doesn't really have any stature. A man that the only reason he would be known is because there's only a few people in the town. So that's the only way he would, was known at all. Um, and it, perhaps many people didn't even know him at all. But the Bible says he was a poor wise man. And then what happened? We're not told what it was. We're not given the details. But this poor wise man, with his wisdom, helped deliver the city from this great army, from this king that came to conquer it. Something that he did said... We don't know what it is, but by his wisdom, delivers the city. And usually when something like that happens, you know, a city, a nation, honors their heroes. You know, a Memorial Day. You know, a day that used to be about honoring um, different heroes um, that fought for our nation. Now it's just picnics, just barbecuing, camping, and things like that. But um, it was really to honor um, veterans if pass, um, pass on in the um, line of duty um, or just at the end of their life. But no man remembered this man. He delivered their city. No one remembers him. He is forgotten. And then Solomon writes, Then said I, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him, the rule of among fools. That wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Over and over for the book of Proverbs, through Ecclesiastes, it talks about wisdom. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, many times, you know, in one to make a wise decision, having the fear of God in your life, it will help you make the right decision. Having the fear of God in your life will help you avoid temptation when it comes. When you try to take God out of the mind, don't meditate upon His Word, then it's a lot easier to fall into the temptations. We see Solomon, he praises um, at Saul's wisdom above um, folly. Ecclesiastes 2, go ahead and turn there. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 13. says, Then I saw that wisdom excel of folly, 
as far as light itself darkness. You know, really the only reason we like darkness is for when we're able to sleep. But you know, I know as children, children usually, they hate going to bed. They want to stay up. It's like, my daughter says sleeping is a waste of life. It's just a waste of life. Why go to sleep early? Let's do something. She's adventurous. But you know, the light does excel the darkness. And wisdom excels folly. And you know, you see someone being foolish, and then you see someone being wise. An employer is going to want to hire the one that's wise. They're not going to go, oh, there's that foolish person. That's who I want. Unless maybe they're a counselor for crazy people. Then they might, they might take the foolish person. But usually, you know, as the Bible says, or always, wisdom itself is folly. Go ahead and turn to chapter 7, verse 12. The Bible says, For wisdom is a defense. Wisdom is a defense. That wisdom, there is protection. And that's what we see with this poor wise man. That whatever was the words of wisdom, or whatever he did, it was a defense. It protected the city. It says money is a defense. Okay? You know, you got money, and your car breaks down. It's the Easier to just get your car repaired. You're out of money, your car breaks down. It seems more difficult. And yet, you know what? If you serve in God, you know what? God, God provides a way um, in such fashion usually. But okay, money is defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. That wisdom gives life to those that have wisdom. You know, the Bible in instructing children to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. And the Bible says this, the first commandment with promise. That, that those that are obedient to their parents in general, they're going to live a longer life than the wicked. They're going to live a longer life. That's the, pro, that's the commandment that is given with promise. And so, you know, wisdom giveth life. You know, I got family members who have not sought after God. They've sought the pleasure of their sin. I've had family members have been say that, you know what, I don't want to come to Christ um, and, and because, you know what, I can't. He goes, I don't want to live the way Christians do. And then I would talk about, you know what, salvation is not of our works. It's not of our obedience in different tasks, is faith in Christ. But there needs to be a repentance, a turning to Christ. And he goes, no. He goes, because I know if I put my faith in Christ, then God is my authority, and I don't want to live the way Christians live. I want to live recreational, um, immorality, those aren't the words he used, but um, that was the gist of it, that he just wants to live how he wants to live. And that's really the truth of why people don't come to Christ. They do not want an authority over their life. Yes, salvation's by grace through faith. But you know what? When Jesus changes us, He changes us. There's transformation that takes place. 
And what my family member they understand is, you know, when you come to Christ, he does give you a new desire as well. Yes, there could still be the temptation of the flesh. But we have victory in Christ. And you know, he's living his life. Sometimes with his, with his mom. Other times he's on the street or staying with friends. And he said, you know, I'm satisfied with my life that way. And yet he's miserable. You know, wisdom give of life to them that have it. And the Bible is showing that wisdom is even better than money. Now, yes, money answers some things. But wisdom is more excellent than any wealth. This man that was wise, the Bible says he was a poor man. He was poor. He didn't have much wealth or any wealth. He was poor. And yet he possessed wisdom that delivered a city. Verse 19. Wisdom of the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. That wisdom will help better men that are wise get wiser more than ten mighty men, soldiers, armed forces. That wisdom is a lot stronger than having an army, than having great military. You know what's great? Is the military is for the United States, you know, it could be squash. It could, you know, if nation rises against God, and which many, many of them do, you know, army is nothing to God. You know, you see when all the nations of the world are um, all in the hyperbole sense, and that many, there'll be very few friends of Israel. But when all the nations in general come against Israel and Jesus comes and delivers it, man, that's the whole world. Doesn't matter to Jesus. And you know what the, the, Jesus says? That wisdom, being wise, means a lot more, is stronger than ten mighty men. Ecclesiastes 9.18 Wisdom is better than weapons of war. You know, you see throughout history that sometimes, you know, a nation will conquer other nations. You'll see fighting back and forth. But sometimes you'll see one that really hasn't had to do a lot of fighting but through making wise decisions, wise speech, ends up being the victor. Now wisdom is better than weapons of war. And this is in our text we've been reading from, that is wisdom is better than strength. You know, a lot of times people will work out their body, get in health, that's a great thing. That's fine. But the Bible does say bodily exercise, profit of little. Um, now, you know, there are other things that are more important. It's good to be fit. It's good to 
um, exercise here and there. But wisdom is even more important than how fit we are physically. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Man, Bible speaks much about wisdom. Much more important than our physical fitness. And yet so often, we as Christians, we don't give much attention to you. You know what, Lord, help increase my wisdom. Help me to have discernment in this matter. Help me, Lord, to not make foolish choices. Fear God that you may have the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 12.8 says, A man shall be commended according to his wisdom. People are commended for their wisdom. You know, a lot of people give a lot of respect to offers. You know, if someone's written a book, we think, oh, they must be an expert on it. They may not be an expert on it at all. They could have even had someone else write a book for them and they just put their name on it. But we see them as having authority in the matter because they're an offer. They wrote about it. And so we commend them. And usually offers, you know what, they've studied things out. They've, they're writing about it because they have experience in the matter. You know, and, and growing in my walk with the Lord foremost, you know, I want to read the Word of God and grow thereby. But I also want to learn from people that have a great walk with God. To read biographies of missionaries that had a walk with God. Read biography of, you know what, Christian, that, you know what, they never really left their city, but they were faithful to where they were, but they had a great walk with God. You know, when I want to, you know what, be challenged more in my prayer life, I don't look to someone that had a terrible prayer life and go, oh, you know, I'm doing a little bit better than them. But no, I want to learn from those that, man, they have such a walk with God, they're praying to God. Um, they talk to God like God actually is real. That he's not just some fairy tale. That God's there. And they pray. They call upon Him. They talk to Him. And then you see answered prayer in their life. I want to spend time around them. You know, in wanting to grow side business, you know, to provide for our family. I want to learn from those that have done that. And you know what, sometimes we can learn from one another through struggles. You know what, that you know what, someone else struggled in the area and they can help you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know what, it didn't work for me. We can learn from that. But you know what, one thing I want to do is I want to be around people that have been successful in that. And you know what, so one of the guys I listen to regularly um, is the guy, you know what, they homeschooled in their family. And you know what, they wanted to try to get dad and mom to try to be able to be at home here and there or do a business together. And they've gone successful and they're coaching, they're helping others be successful. And so being around the people that are going to be able to sharpen you in those areas. You know, iron sharpened of iron. You know, we, we apply that in the spiritual sense, but really it's applicable in any fashion, in any area. 
You know, if someone is going to, say, open a toy shop, the toy store's moving, they're growing, so they're moving to another location. But if someone wants to start a toy shop, it's good to learn from someone else that has had a toy shop. You know, to, to, to learn um, from them. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom. And being more specific about wisdom, you know, I've been using a little bit about just of knowledge, general knowledge. But I'm more focused on wisdom. And a man shall be committed according to his wisdom. But nevertheless, this poor man, he wasn't commended for his wisdom. It's not saying, oh, you know what, the Bible's not true, there's a contradiction. No, no, that's not what the Bible's saying at all. You know what, the general proverb, the principle is, you know what, men are honored for their wisdom. Women are honored for their wisdom. But yet there are some. This poor wise man. He's forgotten. See other examples in the um, scripture. Um, you know, what we see success, as we often think of it, does not always attend to the wise. You know what, the wealth. You know what, this poor man didn't have it. So sometimes when we think of prosperity, there's people that have wisdom, but they don't have the prosperity that we think they should have. You think about the average teacher. You know what? They have wisdom, you know, what? they're teaching students. But many times they don't have the wealth. But they're using their calling in a different fashion. You know, a wise men may lack status and position. And his wisdom may not receive its due in this life. But it does not mean that his life was in vain. This poor wise man delivered the city from a king attacking the little city. His accomplishment was much. Great! And yet, he was forgotten about it. And as the Bible goes on, the words of wise men are heard and quiet. More than the cry of him to rule of among fools. You know, sometimes you'll see people in leadership in various capacities of the government, and the more they speak, the more foolish they sound. And, and many times they're forsaken the common man um, with the wisdom that they have. And many times the liberal big cities think they know how the answer for the country areas or they think of the, the, the right things to do, and it ends up hurting the economy, hurting um, the civilization. But we see that God elevates wisdom above status, above wealth, above position. Ecclesiastes 4.13 says, Better is a poor and a wise child than an old man and foolish king who will no more be admonished. A poor and a wise child. You know, that, 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 that they have more recognition, so to speak. They're, they're, they're better than an old man that will no longer be admonished. That will no longer take heed um, from another just because maybe someone else is younger than them. That a child... It's better than a king that will not take heed or at least give air to his advisors. God elevates wisdom above status, wealth, position. 
poor and wise child than an old and foolish king. Now, any of you, can any of you go ahead and ask for feedback here? Any of you can think anybody in Scripture that they didn't have position, they didn't have the status, they maybe were poor, but they were wise. Anybody think of any? <laughs> okay, the Lord, yeah. You know what? He have nowhere to lay his head? Huh? Yeah, you're getting ahead of me, though. I should stop asking questions. It always gets people ahead of my message. Okay? Okay? And there are times where you see, you know what? They're in a poor condition. They're in a poor state. And then later, they do get promoted. Joseph. Okay? Sold into slavery. Despised by his brothers. Falsely accused. Thrown into prison. The chief butler forgets to mention him when Joseph gave him the interpretation of his dream. Poor man in prison. No status, no prominence. But yet, he was success in God's eyes. He was faithful. And that's really what true success is, faithfulness to the Lord. He, Joseph ended up suffering two more years in the dungeon. And we do see God did promote him later. Okay, you know what? God put him up where he was ruler over the land. And so many times God will use that wisdom and he'll use it when, when someone, they're struggling. They're, they're in a position where most people would feel defeated, being in a dungeon. And God ended up promoting him in his timing. You got Jeremiah. Faithfully preached the word of God. Yeah, he was rejected by his friends. Despised by his family, his neighbors. And he was hated by the religious leaders. And the king didn't like him. He despised him. And yet he was faithful to what God wanted him to do. And wisdom is greater than status, wealth, and position. You know, look at this little city, a little bit on a broader scale, but really to God, it's not a broader scale. Um, I, um, that this little city, picture this as being the whole world. Isaiah 40, 15 says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. The nations of the world. Nations of the entire world. To God, it's like a drop in a bucket. The world to God is small. Small. It's as dust. On a scale. You know what? You're trying to weigh a balance. You know what? You just let a little bit of dust float from the air on that side and maybe somehow keep the dust from coming on this side. Maybe you have a vacuum or whatever. And you're not going to see the scale tip. That's what the world is like to God. It is small. The nations, all the islands of the world, it's small. To God. And so we'll picture it in God's eyes as the world is the little city. And the king 
is the devil who is prince of this world, the prince of the year that works in the children of disobedience, that he desires to destroy the souls of men, of women and children. And he wants to keep people enslaved in darkness, in their sin. He wants to keep them there. He's okay if they're involved in some kind of religion, if it keeps them from the gospel light. He's okay if they're full of good works, of doing good deeds, if they're in church every week, taking mass every day or whatever. He's fine with that, as long as it keeps them from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Satan is a roaring lion. Seek of a, walk of about seeking who he may devour. He wants to destroy this world. He's an affront to Christ. Tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He wanted to keep mankind from being able to be saved. He didn't understand at all how it was all going to work out. But he knew Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah, that he was the anointed one. And so he tempted them. Some asked the question, you know, the Bible says that God is not tempted of man, or that God cannot be tempted of evil. So how is Jesus being tempted of evil if Jesus is God? Well, there's a few factors. There's one, you know, okay, this is God wrapped in humanity. But you notice the Bible didn't just say that Satan tempted Jesus. It said the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But the Bible says that God doesn't entice us to sin. That when we sin, that we were drawn away from our own lust. That God does not tempt man to sin. But yet the Bible says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What's the reconciliation? It was to show to the world that Jesus could not sin. The Spirit of God was not going to lead Jesus into sin. But by leading him to the devil to be tempted, it was to show the impeccability of Jesus Christ. Some question, you know what? Uh, some question, you know, okay, could Jesus have sinned? And if he could have, or if he could not sin, then he really wasn't tempted like as we were. Well, no, the Bible says he was tempted like as we were. But yes, because he was God, he could not sin. And the Spirit of God is declaring that, showing that Jesus could not sin. But yet in his humanity, he still suffered the temptation, um, an external temptation. And he avoided it. And you know what? Jesus is that poor wise man, Mark. He left his glorious throne. When you think about the glory him and his father shared before the foundation of the world. And he left that. He came down to be wrapped in human flesh. To face pain. To get tired. To get thirsty. He suffered what the sinful nature suffers. And yet he himself was without sin. 
Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. Jesus said, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. She's saying, you know what, Sheba, you remember her? She went all the way, she traveled where, from Ethiopia, and traveled to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now there is a greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ. And the world's not asking him for wisdom. They're not going to him. They weren't flocking to him. Sure, they flocked to him when he fed them. So, oh, yeah, I want free food. <laughs> you know, they flocked to him for that. And he, Jesus even said, you're not coming because of the miracles you see. You're just coming because it's food. You have something to eat. It's not to be like, wow, look at the power of Christ. It was just about their substance. And now many did believe on them then. And you know what? We do see Jesus did minister to the temporal needs to, fo- to bring attention to their eternal needs. You know, sometimes there's an imbalance in Christianity um, that sometimes there are those, there, there are many of these. They go over to a foreign field They dig a well. Um, They go do good deeds. They help them. They bring them food. But they go, you know what? We don't want to bother their religion. Sure, you help them live a cleaner life, sanitary water. But if they still die and go to hell, it's pointless. And then others could, you know what? We could be more of the mindset of, you know what? I'm not going to go do all that work of building, digging a well. I'm just going to go preach Jesus everywhere. Oh, that is more important. But you know what James talks about? You know what? See if his brother or see if his neighbor have need and looks the other way. You know what? There's not a genuine love, care. So right, you know what we see Jesus in his ministry? He often went and met their felt needs or their genuine physical needs. But he used that as an opportunity to give the gospel. Just imagine of those great ministries that there go, they go dig a well, and then they use that to illustrate what Jesus illustrated. You know, I have greater water to give thee, that you'll never thirst again. But we get too afraid of offending people that we don't give them the gospel. We'll be, we'll be greatly offended at the time of judgment. But now Jesus is that poor wise man. And what does he do? He delivers man from the bondage of sin. Jesus died for us on our behalf. That we may have eternal life. That he delivers the world from bondage. And yet today Christ is despised by the multitudes. Just as when they crucified him, people mock him today. They mock Christians today. Yet it was in the wisdom of God, before the foundation of the world, to have His Son become a propitiation for our sin, to bear the wrath of God on our behalf. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world, the Bible says. Thereby reconciling man unto a holy God 
through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Came unto his own, and his own receive him not. And that's what we'll be preaching on, planning next week for the gospel of John. But he came unto his own, and his own receive him not. They despise the poor wise man. And also, oftentimes, his salvation is forgotten by his own people. That we take it for granted. We lose our heart of thanksgiving and desire to give him our all. He gave his all. And so easy it is for all of us to take that for granted. I know I take it for granted. You know, I don't wake up every morning and say, man, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. But oh, how I should. I was going to go to the lake of fire. Pay first the penalty of sin on my own. And no longer going to. Because of what he did for us. What he did for me. What he did for you. Let's not forget the poor wise man, Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 just let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Fear God. The Bible says, again, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you see people that fear God, you're going to see someone that makes wise decisions with their life. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. You know, as Jesus said, His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not a hardship. Yes, the law is showed that we fall short. That yes, we can't keep it perfectly. So in that sense, it was the schoolmaster to point us that the law cannot save us because we fall short. And that's why we needed Jesus who fulfilled the law for us. And that we can have his righteousness and he already paid the price for our iniquity. But his commandments are for our benefit. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know what? God is for the family unit of a man and woman as husband and wife. And to be so blessed with children. And if He doesn't bless with children, you know what? Using that, you know what? Have spiritual children. You know, bring people like Jesus. How would there be people that you mentor, that you disciple? But thou shalt not commit adultery. That was not to be a burden to man. But rather, adultery is a burden to man today. So many children that live fatherless don't have a father in their home. You know, we want to do our best to try to reach those people. You know, we try to reach out to them. Pure religion. You know, visiting the widows in their affliction, the fatherless, keeping himself unspotted from the world. Yeah, because we don't, we don't live like the world to reach the world. Yes, we show grace, we show mercy. We want, um, you know, what, the other day, Last week, two weeks ago, you know, it met a man, piercings all over his face. Man, it looked disgusting. 
It was gross all over. And it actually freaked me out at first because I was just looking down. I was looking at something. And then he was right there. And I look up. And I, I don't think I outwardly showed I panicked. But I was like, whoa! It was a sudden sight. I was like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, you sure you see? And you know what, where he used to work at? At a circus. And you know what? That is kind of how the circus started. You try to find the freaks of the world. And then they would make a show of it. Well, you know what? That man has a soul. And, you know, and so I talked to him. We talked to him, and you know, he had a friend with him. His friend looked normal. Okay? And he was like, you know what? Thank you for talking to him. You know what? Most people are scared of him. And I go, well, you know what? I shouldn't be surprised. Why? Okay? Tattoos everywhere, piercings everywhere. And so I went and talked to him. You know, it sat by him on purpose. Uh, and just started talking to him, just talking about life in general, what does he do, and he used to be a veteran in the, in the military, and just talked to him, and, and, and then invited him to church, and, 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 and then gave him some scripture verses with the gospel in it, and then, um, and then he brought up his looks. I didn't say a thing about it until he brought it up, and he brought up, he goes, you know what, he goes, I like talking with adults, and um, intermingling with people and he goes I, I don't really he goes I hate kind of being around children or not children but teenagers because many times they'll look at me and, and then they'll like tell their mom and dad oh I want to do that I'm going to go do that and, um, and then he said, he said it's from a heart of rebelling and he goes I hate seeing that heart of rebelling um, and, I'm, and I'm kind of thinking okay what's he doing it for and then he told me I, I, so I asked him I go so why are you doing that? Why, why are you doing that since you bring it up? And he said, for respect. For respect. And I was laughing inside because I was kind of like, whose who's respect are you trying to get? But I said, oh, you know, a soul that needs Jesus. You know, I shared the gospel with him. Um, you know, my kids end up showing up later. My family pulled up and, you know, introduced my kids. And they were scared. You know what? They were like, they didn't run away, but... They weren't like, hey, yeah, how are you doing, sir? Okay. But, you know, I'm not supposed to go do that to my own face to try and reach them. Okay. You know, I'm not to mar my body, to mar the temple that God's given me. And I didn't go there and say, man, you're a fool. You know what? What an idiot you are to do that to yourself. But, you know what? Talk to them. You know, to show grace, show compassion. You know, as I left, he came up to me and gave me a hug. And said, you know what, thank you. Maved off. And so, um, Vitamin, he just moved to Napa Vine. And hopefully he'll, he'll show up here. And you may need to let your kids know, you know what, it's okay. You know what, just, you know what, don't, don't panic. Don't freak out. We want to show Jesus to them. And, and I told him, I told him too, I go, you can't be surprised, you know, when people are looking at you when you're doing something that is not considered just the normal human body and stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, like Jesus came to deliver those people. <clears throat> Parasites aren't going to keep someone from hell. Rejection of Jesus Christ. Is. And so, you know, what's, what's that salt, the poor man, Jesus? You know, he's no longer poor, okay? He's been promoted. You know, he's the king of kings, lord of lords, and he's going to come back as such. 
But let's not take His salvation for granted. You know what? And when we see people like I mentioned, his name's Marcus. It's gross, but don't look at the man's soul. It's disgusting. They need Jesus. You know, when Jesus washes, Jesus cleanses, the outside will eventually come in place. You know, I don't, don't buy into the myth that, you know, as Christians, the outside does not matter that, you know what, God looks at the heart, so I can just look as ugly as um, I can mar my body every way I want because it doesn't matter. God looks at the heart. You know what, that scripture, and this is another sermon of itself, so we'll go ahead and, but that scripture is talking about, where, where is it? You guys know? Where, where, where's the Bible verse say? That God looketh not on the outward appearance, but on the heart. What's that? Okay, yeah, Samuel talking about who? Okay, okay, there's David, and then there's Saul. Okay, Saul, um, or, or, and, and other, or his brothers, um, his brothers, and how they look good on the outside. They got it made. You know, it just, back in our note, you know what, don't think that the average child molester is going to just look like that gross, ugly, filthy guy. They could be in a, a professional businessman in a suit, tie. You know what? So they look good on the outside, but they're corrupt on the inside. And that's what God was saying. That, you know what? God does not look on the outward appearance. That They may look like they haven't made. They may be tall, handsome. They may be strong. But God was looking for a little shepherd boy. He was looking for someone with the right heart. So that's what the Bible is talking about. You know what? Don't be one that looks good on the outside. Like Jesus said of the Pharisees, that you know what? You are on the outside. You're white. You're clean. But you're full of dead man's bones. You're vile. You're wicked on the inside. Okay, it wasn't saying, hey, you can have a good heart and you'll look worldly on the outside. That, yeah, go ahead, wear a miniskirt. Um, you know what, go wear a bikini to the beach or whatever, get half naked. You know what, that's not what it's saying. It's not saying, oh, the outward doesn't matter. No, you know what, the Bible actually says, you know what, who's adorning, you know what, let not be focused on all the jewelry. You know, let there be modest clothing. You know, so the Bible, God does care about our outward appearance, but it's our heart foremost. But when our heart gets right with Christ, the outside will follow. Sure, you know, okay, it's a leopard can't remove his spots. You know, if you meet a man that has tattoos over, the tattoos aren't going to disappear when he gets saved. But you know what? You can use that as testimony. You know what? Talking to your kids and say, you know what? I did this before I was saved. And you know what? It's not good you mar our body. You know, it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't do what I did. And you know what? That man, Marcus, I'm hoping he'll be that kind of guy one day. You know what, he may have holes all over his face, but be an example, the kids say, you know what, I didn't have a father in home, you know what, this is what kind of happened to me, and, and it got on, and used what, he's been in his life for the glory of Christ. You know what, our world is that little city, you know what, the king is that devil that wants to destroy this world, but Jesus is that poor wise man that offers deliverance. If we come to Jesus Christ, 
And as Christians, just want to encourage you, don't take that for granted. Don't take wisdom for granted. Jesus, the Bible talks about how he is filled with all treasures of wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, um, for, for us that you help us to grow in you. We pray for Brother Bramlett, Lord, who was unable to be here. And perhaps he'll be able to preach that message in the future, that whatever he had on his heart that you put from your word. And Lord, I just want to pray for Marcus specifically right now, Lord. Pray, Lord, I'll be able to run across him again. I don't know where he lives at. Just say he lives in Napa Vine and met him in Shehewes. But I just pray, Lord, that he would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and that he would get that void um, filled with the gospel. Not to think that the lifestyle he's doing is for respect but that to honor and to respect you. And may we just see some great miracles in here. And may we point, Lord, to this prayer in the future and to see how you answered prayer. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.